Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming or staying for the day, whichever the case may be. And we'll continue this evening with our discussion of Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. We're on the 58th Anucheda section, uh, dealing with the nature of the Lord's material manifestation, His external potency. And at this point in the Sandarbha, Srila Jiva Goswami is explaining that the material world is real. It's a real manifestation of the Lord's energy as opposed to an imaginary manifestation which some transcendentalists, spiritual aspirants, believe. So that's not the belief of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. And the main text around which our beliefs center is Srimad Bhagavatam. So in the Anucheta, the section of the Anucheta we're going to be going over tonight, Srila Jiva Goswami uses um, the Srimad Bhagavatam as the evidence to the fact that the material manifestation is a parinama. It means it's a it's a modification of the Lord's energies. Um, and the Lord's material energy has different stages of manifestation. But primarily it's either here or it isn't. When it's not manifest, it's within his very being. So the material world is on a cycle and it comes into being and it runs its course and then it is absorbed back into the, the energy of the Supreme Lord. So we'll get right into it tonight because I think everybody's ready to move beyond the 58th <laughs> Anucheda <laughs> since we've been discussing it for a while. So Jiva Goswami says here the following. First of all, the, the section itself is, is, is named Parinam, not Vivarta, is the real import of Shastra. And as I said, our Shastra is Srimad Bhagavatam. So he's going to be bringing this out based on statements in the Srimad Bhagavatam. So he says as follows, Moreover, Parinam Vad can be assessed as the intended teaching of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Because the Vivarta philosophy is studied only in sections dealing with Gyan and is thus secondary. Whereas Parinam is described in those that deal with Bhagavan himself and is thus primary. This primary is further strengthened by the pincer rule, i.e. the rule of combined applicability, as Parinam Vad is described in both of these sections. So what Jiva Goswami is saying here is the fact that the Lord's energies are, are manifested and that manifestation of the Lord's energies, his material energy and his tatasta energy, ourselves, the Jiva, they're manifested um, when the, it's, it's a it's a manifestation of his, his exter, extrinsic potency and his marginal potency. And Jiva is saying, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, and he's saying the Penser rule, uh, we find that the principle of Parinam, or the principle of a, a manifestation of the Lord's energies, the Parinam principle, a modification of the Lord himself, you could say, and this will be brought out in the future Anachetas as we go forward, uh, is put forth in the Bhagavatam, both in the places in the Bhagavatam where the material creation and manifestation is spoken about, and it, always, it also comes up in those sections of the Bhagavatam where gyan is stressed, or knowledge, 
Now, generally in the, in the places where knowledge is stressed, the vivartavad or the imaginary vivad is put forth. In other words, you're not that body, although you're in a body. So you're taking the body as yourself, and that's kind of a figment of your imagination. So the Shastra doesn't say the body is an imagination, but your acceptance of the body as your very being, that's imaginary. So there are places in the scriptures and in Srimad Bhagavatam specifically where Vivartavad or um, the imaginary conception is introduced to help us gain detachment from the material body and help us gain a deeper spiritual perspective of the Supreme Lord. The Lord is in nature. He manifests nature, but it's not his his innate, it's not his swarup shakti, it's not his internal nature. It's a manifestation of an external energy of his. So, Vivartavad is put forward, but only in those places where, as stated as, as here, Gyan is emphasized, or applying your mind and, and realizing you're not this body, or applying your mind and realizing that the universal manifestation of the Lord's energies is not all that the Lord is. It's a, ma- it's a part of him, but it's not everything that he is, which a lot of spiritualists accept, that they see the Lord, Lord in, the, in nature and they have no higher conception. So, Scripture says you should have a higher conception about yourself. You're not this body. And you should have a higher conception about God. God is within the world and he manifests the world, but he's got a lot more going on than just his ability to manifest the world, which is really secondary to his internal lila or his internal play. It's it's just a secondary aspect. And in fact, Jiva Goswami, as we'll find out at the very end of this Paramatma Sandarbha, stresses that there's only one reason for the manifestation of the world. That's for the Lord's play. That's for the Lord's... The Lord sees there's a necessity. Some devotees didn't finish up with the last manifestation. I have to give them ample facility to continue in their spiritual life. Let me manifest the world again. This is, a ra- this is a radical spiritual idea if we really think about it. Who would think this way except the bhaktas? Who would think this deeply and see everything that Krishna does even in creating the material world is only for his devotees? That's the bhaktas' viewpoint. And guess what? They can support it strongly. So, you know... That's why we have people like Jiva Goswami and the Sundarvas saying, if we look deeply and we study the Bhagavatam and go deeply into its meaning, you couldn't arrive at any other conclusion. What other conclusion could you arrive at? It's all, everything revolves about around Krishna's loving exchange with his devotees, including the material manifestation. There's no other reasonable explanation for it. Why else would he manifest the world? All right, so Jiva goes on. The description of the universe as a transformation of Paramatma in extrinsic potency, Parinamvad, fulfills the purpose of providing knowledge of the inconceivable opulence of Bhagavan. <coughs> Excuse me. On the other hand, designating the universe as illusory which amounts to labeling it as perishable, is intended solely to instill awareness for those on the path of knowledge that it is to be abandoned, for it lures attention away from Paramatma. The implication is not, however, to suggest that there is no such entity as the universe. Rather, the universe is described 
as illusory simply to inculcate knowledge of the essential identity of the jiva and paramatma distinct from the, from the phenomenal nature of the universe, as confirmed in the Brahma Sutra, or the Vedanta Sutra. Quote, The objects of the waking state, the visible universe, are unlike those of the dream state because they are of a different nature. The, the aphorism from the, from the Vedanta Sutra is say, simply stating that the manifestation of the world is different from the Lord's internal spiritual potency and his Sarup Shakti, his form, his Leela, his associates, his pastimes. Those are all internal. So there's a distinction between the two. Uh, you have to go deeply into the aphorism to arrive at that conclusion, but that's Jeeva's using that as an example here to take us deeply into the into the understanding from the Brahma, <coughs> Brahma Sutra, Vedanta Sutra. Jiva Goswami goes on. Additionally, it is stated in the Narada Purana. It can be said that by remembering him, Bhagavan, they caused the world to dissolve. The universe itself is certainly not dissolved merely by remembering him. So this verse from the Bhagavatam. In, in, in what is the principal description of the creation? In the Bhagavatam, Sri Maitreya speaks of the modification, Parinam, of Pradhan. So now this section of the Bhagavatam, Jiva Goswami brings out as the, the quintessential area of the Srimad Bhagavatam where the material creation is described. So if we want to go to the, the most essential presentation within the Srimad Bhagavatam of the material creation, we need to look to this discussion between Vaidura and Maitreya. And my, you know, that's where it's described um, most comprehensively. So Maitreya is explaining to Vidura, answering his questions, and one of his questions regarding how is the material universe manifested. And Maitreya is answering. So this verse is from that discourse between, those, between the two of them. Maitreya says, When the equal, equilibrium of the three gunas that constitute the Maya potency is, was displaced by the force of time, the transcendental Bhagavan, who is beyond the senses, Adoksaja, and endowed with his own intrinsic potency, Viryavan, placed his seed, Virya, his conscious parts, into that Maya through the Purusha, who is his own self-expansion. Pretty simple. God impregnated the living entities through his expansion, the Purusha Avatar, which we know as Paramatma. Paramatma coming in three manifestations. Karna Dakshai Vishnu, Garbo Dakshai Vishnu, Kashira Dakshai Vishnu. So, the Lord impregnated material nature with his very conscious part, his very own conscious particles ourselves through the agency of Paramatma. Maitreya continues, thereafter, after that uh, impregnation of the jivas within the material energy, then the energy is the equilibrium through the force of time is, we would say, woken up, disturbed, and the three modes of material nature begin, begin the process of everything coming about. Thereafter, the Mahatattva evolved from the unmanifested state of Maya. So remember, Maya is dormant within the Supreme Lord, 
when the material universes are wrapped up. So when Karna Dakshai Vishnu, at a certain point, he manifests the material universes. They say, some say through his pores, all the universes pour out in unlimited in an unlimited manner. We could never even come to an end of counting even the material universes that are coming from the pores of Mahavishnu. And at a certain point, they're absorbed back in, into him. When they're absorbed back, to, back into him, there is no material energy per se. It's actually, it's coming back into his very nature. So it, it's not manifested. We ourselves at that time hopefully never again, but <laughs> if we are absorbed back into the Lord for another course of material existence, of course this is early in Brahma's life, we have some time to get our act together, but whatever the case may be, um, then everything associated with ourselves is also, it also, we have no, there's no time factor. We're in suspended animation. There's no influence of anything that had to do with, with our material existence at that time. It's all dormant. It's not forgotten. We'll, we're forget, we don't remember it. We have no conscious facility at that time, but it's still, there's still impressions there. It's a very, in a very subtle way, when the next manifestation comes about, then wherever we left off is where we take off again. Now, on what, based on what can we make, come to arrive at this conclusion? Why aren't we just completely wiped clear of everything? Because during the manifestation of a universe, there is a, an amalgamation of all of us, jivas, Haranyagarva. It, it, and that manifestation of the uh, greater jivas all combined together, from that, one jiva who has the most qualifications in each universe stands out. He comes out. Hopefully, there's somebody that has that much qualification. Generally, well, I don't know if we can even say generally. I don't, I've never read it. It is or isn't. But we assume that generally there is a perfected jiva. As good as it, as good as it gets jiva to become the Brahma who is advanced enough to completely submit in service to the will of the Lord and execute the Lord's bidding and manifest the universe. So there's some qualification there. Well, where, that, if the slate was wiped clean, there would be no qualified jiva. So there's a, there, there has to be a qualified jiva to become a Brahma. He had to bring those qualities with him, those qualifications. So therefore, and if there isn't one, Krishna has to stand in for the Brahma within a universe. And he does this if within that universe nobody rises to the top and is qualified enough to sit on the lotus coming from his navel and, and manifest the universe. So Krishna has to become the Brahma. So that's also mentioned in the scripture. So impelled by time, the whole manifestation is coming. The Anacheta continues. From the earlier statements of this discourse, meaning the discourse between Vidura and Maitreya, prior to creation, there was only Bhagavan. It is understood that the one, referred to here as a doksaja, he who is beyond the senses, is Bhagavan. He, through the medium or agency of the Purusha, who is his very own self-expansion and the witness of Prakriti, 
placed his seed called the Jiva in the unmanifested of Yakta, known as Maya, which consists of the three gunas. The compound Kala Vritya, by the force of time, means that by Maya, it is in, it's, it, in its instrumental aspect, Namita, which has the power of time as its functional capacity. As it is said in the Shruti, I shall enter these three gods, earth, water, and fire, through my own self-expansion along with the jiva. We should not be confused when jiva uses, you know, like here's a statement from the Chandogya Upanishad. Now, we've been discussing this for weeks now, months, you know, this Paramatma Sandarbha and the nature of the material manifestation. And here's another verse, and it's like, wait, I shall enter these three gods? We haven't heard it that way yet. We shouldn't be confused by that. Jiva's just, hey, this is talked about in a lot of different ways in the scriptures. Here's another one. Look at this one. Isn't it interesting? Here in the Chantonya, you know, Chandogya Upanishad, it says, I shall enter these three gods, earth, water, and fire, through my own self-expansion, along with the Jiva. So, Krishna's sitting on the tree with us in the body, and here we are in the material world, and here's a simple explanation that these are the main potencies of material nature. Earth, water, fire. The adjectival compound, Vigyanatma, being of the nature of awareness, here refers specifically to the Mahatattva. The compound, Tamo Nuda, dispels the darkness of ignorance, means that it destroys the ignorance prevailing after the previous dissolution. So, when the material manifestation comes, the ignorance, you could call it ignorance, there's, there's, the material world is turned off. So the lights are off, and, well, there's no home. So the lights are off, nobody's home, and guess what? There is no home. But then the Lord out from his body come the various universes. And then what is darkness becomes light gradually through the manifestation of, of the Lord's energies. So now we're into the commentary. A couple interesting thing here is whenever the topic of creation is described in the Bhagavatam, it is always said to be trans a transformation, parinam, of Paramatma's energy, wherever it's discussed. It's always, whenever we talk about creation, vivarta, the word vivarta and the idea of vivarta doesn't come up. But there's, remember, in the Anucheta, where there's a pincer principle. What's that mean? What Jiva's saying is, parinam, the, the transformation of the Lord's energies is brought up whenever creation is spoken of. And it's also brought up whenever Vivarta is mentioned. Whenever we talk about dispelling ignorance because of our attachment or misconception of being part of the material world. So, by this principle, again, we're talking Nyaya logic. By this logical thing, you got something in tongs. You come out with the right, right conclusion. In both the instances, one arm of the tong is when you're talking about a crea the creation. The other arm of the tong is when you're talking about knowledge or knowledge of what is matter and what is spirit and what is the distinction between the two and the fact that you should see material existence as illusory. So when you talk about it that way, this parinam is, is mentioned. And when you talk about creation directly, it's mentioned. Vivarta is only mentioned when we talk about giving up 
the false idea regarding our material existence and regarding the Lord's involvement in the world and seeing that as his, his only activity. Vivarta is mentioned only in sections where Gyan is being described. It is cited with the expressed intention of instilling in the spiritual aspirant a sense of detachment. Now, let's look at some places in the Bhagavatam where Vivarta Vod is stressed. Because we said it's not that it isn't put forth. We know where Parinam Vod is primarily expressed in the place in the Bhagavatam where what? Creation is talking, talked about. And we use this same argument for those that have the misconception that the jiva can fall from Vaikuntha. Because our spiritual master said both things. The jiva was with Krishna in Galok and fell down. And he also says there's no falling from the transcendental realm. But what? What makes this? What? Where do we put the most stress? We put the most stress on the statement that's made where that subject is specifically dealt with in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Yudhisthira's, you know, the question, the question is being raised regarding the nature of Vaikuntha and the fall of the jiva and the story of Jaya and Vijaya comes up in the context of that discussion and it's, it's uh, Yudhisthira Maharaj. I can't believe this. Or is it Maharaj Pariksit? No, it's Yudhisthira. This is impossible. How can you say this, that they fell? And in there, Prabhupada says specifically, it is a fact. It is a fact. No one falls from Vaikuntha. That trumps all his other statements. So similarly, here we see the same thing, the same principle is being applied. It's not that contradictory statements are not there in the Shastra, and it's not that, this, that the spiritual master, the sadhus, don't from time to time, according to what they're preaching and the context of, of the preaching that they're performing, they don't say contradictory things. They will. But you have to be able to reconcile them. And you have, to, you have to be able to either inquire confidentially and have them say yes, it's like this. And even then, they may not see in us the qualification to explain the matter fully. Well, if I brought that up now, they might go running for the doors. It's possible. So we have to trust that the spiritual master will knows, knows our heart better than we do. As I said before, the spiritual master is like a, a personalized God sent specifically for us so we can make spiritual advancement. So he knows where, he, where we are, he knows where our heart is, and he knows how to teach us according to time, place, and circumstance. Uh, I, I heard an interesting statement once that one of my godbrothers made. It says, well, Prabhupada would, would never cheat us. It's a fact. Prabhupada would never cheat you. But he was saying it in the context that everything that Prabhupada said to me is 100% true all the time. No. We've used the example. You're going to say to your young child, no one crosses the street. It just doesn't happen. If you, if you try to cross the street, you're going to die. You just don't cross the street. Does it mean no one crosses the street? No. But you tell the child, no one crosses the street. Don't cross the street. It's a dangerous place. Is it a dangerous place? For the kid, it is. So, here, 
some examples of where Vivata Vard, Vivarta Vad is mentioned in the Bhagavatam in context for the benefit of the sadhaka. The cycles of birth and death, the cycle of birth and death does not cease. Because the living being remains engrossed in phenomenal objects, even though they do not really exist. Just as dream objects, though not real, persist for the person immersed in the dream state, though through the conditioned workings of the mind. That's a heavy statement. What, the material world doesn't, it basically saying the material world doesn't exist. Well, and you're saying the world does exist. So which is it? Does it or doesn't it? Well, in the context of, of trying to gain release from the misconceptions that I am this body and this material world is all that there is, it, it, the sadhus are saying, hey, it doesn't exist at all. You're really an illusion. Yeah, we are. So they'll speak strongly. Another place. That was from the fourth canto. In the eleventh canto. That which neither existed before nor will exist afterwards does not really exist in the interim either, but persists only in name. It is my firm conviction that the effect is non-different from the substance from which it appears and by which it is revealed. And again in the Bhagavatam. Superimposing the characteristics of the vital force, the senses, and the mind onto the self, which is inherently free from the gunas, the living being sleeps, bound by the notions of I and mine, which, while contemplating petty sense objects engaged in material deeds. So that wraps up this 58th Anacheda. And uh, we have some time. Let's go into the 59th. More Pounding of the Post by Jiva Goswami. <laughs> let's look at places and let's look at this idea of the modification of the Lord's energy being the cause of material, the material manifestation. In other words, the Lord's energies are modified and here we have the world of men, the world of animals, and the world of gods. Parinam as an aspect of Gyan is the general name of this section. So the 59th Anucheta. Jiva says, The theory of the transformation, Parinam of Pradhan, is also included within the context of the path of Gyan and related cultivation methods as described by Sri Dattatreya to King Yadu. This is from the 11th Canto, 9th chapter. At the end of a kalpa, a kalpa is a day of Brahma. At the end of a kalpa, the one Bhagavan, Narayan, the supreme controller, existing alone by himself without a second as the shelter of all and the foundation of the individual self, dissolves this previously created universe through his own maya by the latter's instrumental power in the form of time. So although the word kalpa is used here, I don't see the Sanskrit text, but it may be maha kalpa. So again, kalpa is used in different contexts. Generally, when we hear the nomenclature maha kalpa, that refers to the whole duration of Brahma's life, which is 100 years according to Brahma. Each day in the life of Brahma is 1,000 cycles of the four yugas. So a thousand cycles in one day of Brahma. There's 30 days in Brahma's month. There's 12 months in Brahma's year. When all the energies in the form of the three gunas are brought into a balanced state by Bhagavan's own power of time, the primeval Purusha who is the ruler of both phenomenality, Pradhan, and the individual conscious beings, Purusha, who is the supreme goal of both greater and lesser beings, and is thus identified as the supreme transcendence, Kaivalya, continues to exist. He is the totality of unadulterated, unadulterated Kevala, 
self-illumination in bliss devoid of any material designation. Again, from the 11th Canto, 17th, 9th chapter, um, 17th and 18th verse. So, when the material world wraps up, the Lord's still there. We're not. Well, we are, but we're not in a manifested state. We're absorbed within his energy at that time. That's, that's what these verses are saying. So, his energy of time brings about the, the, the loss of equilibrium of, of Pradhan. That would be Pradhan basically being the, the material potentiality that exists in the Lord. So that material potentiality referred to as Pradhan, uh, Pradhan the Pradhan aspect not having consciousness itself, it's put into a state of, of its state of equilibrium when the material universes are not manifest is agitated by his by the time factor. So the state of suspended animation takes on animation when you apply time. It makes sense. I mean, just imagine. Turn off time. So we're all here just in frozen, suspended animation, and then turn on time and oh, we can do something now. There's some there's some energy, some facility some agency, and that agency is time. Krishna says he's that agency in the Bhagavad Gita, simply. It's a very simple matter. Time I am. Destroyer of the worlds. Well, it's funny that he uses those two things in the same presentation, the same sloka to Arjuna, time I am, and that's a destroyer of the world. And you're in the world, so, you know, no, that's my energy. That's the nature of time. And you're in the world of time. Everything's destroyed there. Another verse is quoted, O subduer of enemies, precipitating his maya potency consisting of the three gunas by means of his unique personal power. In the form of time, he first evolves, evolves sutra, the first manifestation of prakriti, predominated by Rajas through her. Now we get into, a, remember when we talked about the manifestation of the material energy coming from Pradhan and time comes involved, and then what do we call it? We call those first manifestation of the, of the, the potentiality of the material elements and the senses, all that combined, we call Mahatattva. Well, now... We're going to a stage in this presentation by Jiva Goswami where it's explained that, well, Mahatattva is the word used when the predominance is sattvic. But when the predominance is rajic, passion, we call it sutra. And when, when the predominance is ignorance, we call it ahankar, false ego. So this same, again, it's just taking us deeper into, this is the Lord's energy. Now you can look a little, you can look at it uh, even at a, in a deeper level. And in order to explain this deeper level, let's look at, these are the name, nomenclatures that can be used. When you take that conglomerate of material energy, what's its potentiality in ignorance? It could give you the illusion of you are something that you are not. False ego. When it's predominated by rajas, then you have the potentiality to manifest a universe, a sutra. They call it sutra. It's the same idea of Mahatattva under the influence of passion. It's just that's Mahatattva. It means the same thing as Mahatattva. The conglomerated 
conglomerate of material potentiality. And when it's in goodness, we call it Mahatattva. That's a, that, that you're saying that Pradhan is known as Mahatattva when Sattva is true? Pradhan is always even the stage before. Right. So, so first you have Pradhan, and then once you have all the material ingredients ready to start working, whichever whichever mode of material nature is predominant in those elements, and remember the material nature has three natures, goodness, passion, and ignorance. So you can refer to it with different nomenclatures according to how you see what you see as the predominating mode of material nature. Sutra should be distinguished from Mahat. Mahat is predominant in Sattva and is thus John Shakti. Sutra is predominant in Rajas and is thus part of Kriya Shakti. Whereas Ahankar is predominant in Thomas and is thus Dravya Shakti. O subduer of enemies, precipitating his Maya potency consisting of the three gunas by means of his unique personal power in the form of time, he first evolves Sutra, the first modification of Prakriti predominated by Rajas through her. In other words, we begin with passion the passionate influence is, is getting the ball rolling, so to speak. This sutra is called the manifestation of the three gunas, which generates the universe of diverse forms through which it runs like a thread and by which the living beings rotate in the cycle of birth and death. And now we come to the key element from the Bhagavatam, which is used to explain how this works in a, in a very simple manner for us. Just as a spider manifesting a web from its heart through the mouth sports with it and then swallows it, so also Bhagavan creates, sustains, and dissolves the universe. The Shruti also says, just as a spider both manufacturing and destroy both manufacture and destroys its own web as plants grow from the earth and as hair on the head and body issue out from a living being living human being so too does the universe spring forth from the imperishable that ends the anacheda proper and basically what's what's being presented here the lord manifests the material universe from his very self but it's not it's not all that it's not all that he is he he manifests the living entities as his conscious particles but that's not all he is so that's the concept that will carry forward as we go into the next anuchedas jiva is bringing this to our attention that Yes, this is all coming from the energy of the Lord, the material universe, the living entities, but that's not all, that's not all that God is. He's that and so much more. That's the main principle, and that's what's primarily discussed in the commentary here. And what I just discussed will be brought out even more in the next Anucheda. But that's, that's where we're going now. We're going down the road of understanding the material universe is of God, it's from God, it's all His energy, it's the Lord's, it's, it's all Him, and really He is all that exists. I mean, you can't say that, that a cause doesn't have some association with the effect, so this idea is where we're going to go now. The cause is there, and the effect is certainly part of the cause, but this cause is so unique, being the Lord himself, that he can manifest the material universe. He can expand himself into so many conscious particles which are of his very nature and still not be affected. 
and still be so much more than all that. So that's the ideas that Jiva's instilling in us as students at this point in the Paramatma Sandarbha. He's discussing the material manifestation and he's he's helping us he's helping by making sure that we are not going to carry any misconceptions in our understanding of what's going on we don't we don't want to think well well god became many and then he then he he lost his personality no god can become many and maintain his personality god can manifest unlimited universes and he's not affected. Just like the snake every year is shedding its skin. The snake isn't affected. He's going on down the, you know. Or the hair's growing and, you know, every month you got to shave it off again because it keeps coming back. But it doesn't, is it really? So these are just, it's not that, it's not that we look at it and say, well, this, the universe is the hair of the Lord. No. But it gives you the idea that here is something that has no consciousness, even in our own from our own body, that comes from our body. So why can't the Lord ma- manifest material universes just the way we manifest nails and hair? <laughs> yeah, it's coming from our body, but doesn't affect us. It just keeps coming, but it's dead. You shave it off; it didn't scream. When you when you get it, you know when you when you shave your hair off, the the hair's like, ah, my gosh, I'm dead now. Cut your fingernails, you know. It's like, oh, that hurt. No, it, it's dead skin. It's a dead manifestation. So, just to give us an idea. And the spider and the web. Well, that's even more deeper. The spider's manifesting a web. In the, in, the, in the verse, it's saying, the sloka, it's saying, from its very heart, it's manifesting a web. It's living. In other words, it's living. The, it's, the source of its life is the manifestation of the web. If it didn't manifest that web, its whole existence, the heart of its existence, is putting out that web. And after it's captured enough food, it can take it back and move on down. Find a better place to uh, place the web. We'll stop there for this evening. Any questions? Yes. So, if um, you know if everything is eternally ongoing, the souls and uh, we've all you know our, all of us, everything's always existed, and 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 in one sense, you know how there's the idea well there's all the negative qualities as well that are part of, there's, you know, things that aren't so pretty or, you know, part of everything. Um, is, um, is it, is it the idea that like there's that isness of it all that like God didn't necessarily think, Oh, I want to create greed and I want to create anger and I want to create, like, he never consciously created all of that or did he like consciously create like every, like, because well, there was no beginning to it. So was it just something that has always? It's always been there. It's yeah. always there's always a yin and yang aspect. Right. If we want to bring that philosophy in, yes, the Lord contains all everything. We're just learning from a perspective of the Vedas, which we accept as coming directly from His breathing. This is the highest ideal. ideal ideal, an idea that we can have regarding the material manifestation, it's need, it's it's simply meant to give us a perspective on on the Lord's energies. Is it the be-all and end-all? Krishna says, what is the need for all this knowledge? With a simple spark of my splendor, I create and manifest and wipe and and dissolve all these universes. You're never going to come to a complete understanding, but let me give you enough understanding that you can understand that I'm behind it all. And in that understanding, becoming acquainted with that, you can develop some appreciation for who and what I am. 
And let's take it a step further, that appreciation can gradually turn into love. And if we look at the material world and how develop, how love develops even in human society, how does it develop? We meet somebody, we learn, we may hear about them, we never may, we don't meet them directly, we hear about them, and then someday we meet, and someday, so the more we know, you know, to, to know him is to love him, to, you know, that's, it's just a, it's a step in the process of developing pure unalloyed love. If we look at this, all this detailed knowledge in that way, then it, it benefits us. But we can't, and we can't neglect this knowledge. The Bhagavatam is the complete package. The presentation that Jiva Goswami is giving us is a very succinct presentation of Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan. So, here's the Paramatma Sandarbha. Yes, it's complex. It looks very complex. And how can we, but if we really break it down as we go through it, what are we coming away with? We're coming away with this beautiful understanding that Krishna is doing all this with his little finger. He's holding up everything. How how sweet is that? He's manifesting, and, and and if we can look at that and not have misconceptions regarding the material manifestation, and not have misconceptions regarding the Lord's involvement and non-involvement in the material manifestation. And we can take up the bhakti attitude of the of the sadhus in our tradition, which we're trying to follow. How unique is that? It's pretty unique. It's it's wonderful. Is everybody going to agree with this? No. There's even other Vaishnavas that are not going to agree. They're not going to. They were not going to accept that simple statement in the Bhagavatam, which we accept as the Parivas Sutra. Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. They don't accept that. Not everybody thinks Krishna is the topmost manifestation of Godhead. Some think, think that Lakshmi Narayan, not Radha Krishna. It's really Lakshmi Narayan. Krishna is just a, it's a manifestation of Narayan for some Leela. Couldn't be the topmost manifestation. But <laughs> after, we, after we finish this, we're going to go to the, to the Krishna Sandarbha. And guess what? It's going to be based on one simple statement. Krishnastu Bhagavan Swayam. And Jiva Goswami is going to show this is the topmost understanding of Godhead. Nothing supersedes this. Not all Vaishnavas accept it. Certainly the Brahmavadis don't accept it. The Gyanis, the Yogis. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for your association. Thank you.